Hello and welcome to the Swan Song Project podcast. My name is Ben Buddy Slack and I'm the founder of the Swan Song Project and the host of this podcast. The Swan Song Project is a charity and we help people facing the end of their lives or dealing with a bereavement to write and record their own original song. We believe in celebrating lives, making memories and leaving legacies. If you'd like to find out more about the charity, you can check out our website, which is swansongproject.co.uk. The podcast features songwriters. In each episode, every different guest on, I ask them to share with us one of their songs. We talk about how they wrote it, I ask them for a songwriting tip, and I also ask them for a song that's meaningful to them in some way relating to bereavement. This episode features Emily Levy, and I hope you enjoy it. We have a few technical issues throughout it, but I think you get the uh, the majority of it's there. I hope you uh, hope you enjoy it. Okay, today I'm here with Emily Levy. Thanks for joining me, Emily. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, looking forward to talking to you. Uh, for anyone who's new to these podcasts, uh, we'll do them in three sections. First part, uh, we're going to have one of my guest songs and we're going to have a little chat about how they wrote that. Then in section two, I'll ask my guest to share with us a songwriting tip. And in section three, we're going to talk about a song that's meaningful to my guest in some way relating to bereavement. So uh, I'll hand it over to you, Emily, and ask you to introduce your song for us, please. Uh, this is a song called Lost and Found. river and 
Okay, brilliant. So that was Lost and Found by Emily Levy. Uh, so what can you tell us about writing that one, Emily? It's a beautiful song. Thank you. Um, well, just the origi I originally wrote it quite a long time ago for a dance performance. So it was a project with two dancers and I was the musician. And the piece was about um, something called the Lost Gardens of Heligan. I've never been to these, I have to say, but it's a, Heligan's like a stately home, I think, down in Cornwall and with massive gardens. And the gardeners who worked and the grounds people who worked on it before the First World War carved their names in a rock, uh, in a stone wall, and um, uh, then shut the door and locked it up and went off to war. And many, many didn't return. And for, so for whatever reason, the gardens weren't discovered. So that, that part of the gardens was just left to grow completely wild and get overgrown and people just didn't forgot about it. And I think it wasn't until the eighties when it was like rediscovered and this, and this inscription on the wall was kind of uh, discovered and the history of it started to be told. So yes, yeah, so it's a really lovely story and it was a really um, beautiful starting point for the piece. Um, and then I released an album back in 2012 and I put it on that album, um, kind of found a new home on that album and also had a little bit before it, which is uh, more of a kind of soundscape with bird noises and foliage and nature and uh, field recordings and stuff. So that lends into it, which gives it a bit of a context on the album. Nice. So, yeah, so it's a nice kind of circuitous route for a song. And then I did it live for quite a long time with a guitarist, Rich Arthurs, who I played with for a long time, and he played on the recording. So it felt odd recording it for you last week <laughs> because um, I heard all the parts that were, you know, are normally yeah. there or used to be there on the album. So, um, but it was nice to do it again. Felt different. Yeah. You know, songs do that, don't they? When you come back to them after a while, they feel different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, I'm playing them in different combinations, like the acoustic version, or when you have it with different people, and the way, yeah, it's interesting and how they, yeah, how they travel with you. Yeah, it's a cool story. Um, yeah, I love that the idea of just this kind of hidden, hidden garden. Um, do you? Um, and the, so the inscription was just the names of the people that, that was found in there. Was it yeah, the names I think of the they also there? wrote. Um, let I can't remember the exact quote, but let those who come here not slumber or something. Oh, nice. Something to that effect. So yeah, quite a poignant story. Mm. And just, uh, I guess the idea of somewhere being lost and wild within, like not in the wilderness, but within mm. somewhere like a stately home, which is thought of as a really kind of normally very um, manicured and perfect. And actually it was just yeah. this wilderness. I wonder if the other gardeners got in trouble for not finding it sooner. <laughs> was that? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know the details of the story. It'd be yeah. really, yeah, I'd like to visit one day. What was it like working with the, on the dance project then? What kind, what kind of dance was it? And was it, so had they come up with the, was the dance about the gardens as well? Yeah, it was kind of one of the, one of the, one of the ingredients in the dance piece. Um, it was great. It was a lovely project. So it was two dancers and me and I was on, I've done quite a lot of work with dance in the past. Um, sometimes just writing the soundtrack and delivering it and then it's kind of, you know, played and sometimes being part of the performance. So this was um, one of those. So I was like, on stage with the other, with the dancers and nice. doing some vague, not very dance movements, but um, <laughs> it's quite, I like, it's nice. Um, it's really different. I find writing uh, that recent years, I've done a lot of writing for other people or different contexts, not just pure songwriting. Um, and I love, I really like all the different 
manifestations of writing, but it, they all do feel really different. So that mm. was lovely to A, have a story to go off and B, be writing it with two other people in mind. And, you know, it was part of a bigger piece, but just imagining the kind of staging of it and things like that. It's a kind of, uh, I think it takes you out of your own perspective and makes it a bit wider, which is, I think, quite nice. It's, yeah, definitely. Yeah. How did that work process-wise? And did you have, like, had they done had you seen the dance before and you were writing the piece to fit the dance or did you know like what kind of the dance was going to be like or was there, was there any kind of like brief in a way of what you were aiming for with it? Well that was quite a nice luxurious situation we had like a week of rehearsals and we kind of built it together so nice. that bit I kind of you know, went off and more or less wrote the song and brought it the next day to the rehearsals but other points they'd have something they'd start and I'd be kind of uh, building something around what they needed but it was quite kind of um a lot of dialogue, you know, toing and throwing between us. Whereas oftentimes it's more like, you know, 12 minutes, uh, minute three, this and minute six, that and stuff like that, which is also fun because that's more like, you know, architecture or something, I don't know. That's doing other soundtrack work where you get the yeah, very specific yeah, times and stuff, yeah. Specific, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, that sounds, sounds fun. It sounds like an interesting uh, different angle of songwriting. Yeah. And I never like, I, mean, I guess, I, mean, I, I don't know a lot about, about the dance world, but I wouldn't have thought, I guess it's, you know, it's like all our forms that have kind of narrative in place, don't they? But um, I guess when I was thinking about music for dancing, I always think about, you know, just primarily the music rather than the story of the song. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting combining the two with that piece. Yeah, totally. And then I guess it makes it explicit with the words. But I think, yeah, I've always been surprised by how much narrative some dancers work with as well, like really mm -hmm. detailed and you don't necessarily get that as an observer. Or maybe you do if you're, you do, you watch more dance and you're more involved, but yeah. yeah. And then it's the same with music though, isn't it? Like non-word uh, based, all, all instrumental music often has kind of quite a strong story to it that you're not necessarily, yeah. you don't need to know to enjoy it as an audience member. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the joys of art, isn't it? I guess is being able to just yeah tell the story through whatever the art form is. You don't necessarily need the words to uh, to do it all the time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're saying you've been doing a lot of writing for other people recently. How are you? How are you finding that? Yeah, good. Um, it just seems to go in like chunks. So I've because I'm a singer originally, and that's like always my first um, thing I turn to in the writing process, really. Um, so that and kind of electronics and, you know, I use, I'm not a guitarist, but I, you know, play a, enough to write with and play with other better musicians. But, um, <laughs> but so I don't know, I build up things in different ways, depending on the project. So I've done quite a lot of writing for choirs where I've done a lot of choral stuff in my past, in my younger days. So that feels like a that I've got so that I can tap into fairly easily and um and then more recently in the last kind of five ten years i've been really trying to push myself and write a lot more for instruments and i went and did a master's down at birmingham conservatoire to try and do a lot of writing for all sorts of instruments that i've never been before 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 and and make mistakes in a safe place you know in a, mm. in a learning context um yeah and then uh yeah some kind of radio soundtrack stuff and um, all sorts of different so I have like a a lot of great musicians that I call on to work with and then do quite a lot of the stuff my side as well you know either writing scores for them 
or programming and things like that. Um, so it's a bit of a rambling answer, but yeah, no, that sounds good. That sounds like a good a good mixed bag of uh, bag of tricks you've got there. Yeah, definitely a mixed bag. Which in the last year is well, it's nothing's very stable, is it, for anybody? Mm. But it's um, definitely been good to have a diverse. I mean, yeah. I don't have all my eggs in the gigs basket, which is you know I'm thankful for. Yeah, yeah, eggs in the gig basket's a good <laughs> expression, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's another thing where, like, before, like, before I got, you know, as as you get deeper into the world of of music work, you don't realise how many different jobs there are and how specific you can uh, you can be with a different skill set of uh, whatever it is that you're most driven by. Definitely, and I think what's interesting is you don't know what's going to lead. You really don't know what's going to lead to the next thing. Yeah, and. And also what's going to be useful so something that you think might be just like paying a bit, a bit of a grind actually then comes back and you find yourself finding it extremely useful and then a different product you're really invested in a few years later so yeah, yeah. I guess it's just being open to all variety if you can be yeah. yeah and the way the different things combine together you know like if you said I'm doing a, a choral background and then how then you, you know the different skill sets you have in each discipline how the inter intermix when you do new projects sometimes uh too much things pull together don't they yeah totally and i think there's something to be said for feeling at really in a in a particular community and really mm. deeply into one part of the musical world or the arts world or whatever but um, are we all right for connection is it going a bit it's crackling a little bit but i think we're all right okay but so i've always like felt a bit on the edge of loads of different worlds i felt a bit like a, a bit classically on in the kind of jazzy world and a bit non-classic a bit kind of jazzy in the classical world or whatever you know mm. just a bit of an imposter in every different area of the musical life but there's something to be said for that as well because you you can like draw different mixed together yeah and can in the long term i think it can be quite a nice place to be but yeah it's uncertain i guess and it's good i guess in terms of like it's a good sign of your um that's the word I'm looking for but like you know your willingness to do that and you're kind of pushing yourself to not just settle in one in one spot um where you yeah. feel most comfortable to keep pushing yourself into different situations and then and cause that's that's where you learn the most isn't it when you're kind of in those uncomfortable <laughs> places sometimes definitely that and also just like surrounding well learning as much as you can from the people you admire that you get to work with or learn from in different ways yeah and i guess like, being sorry yeah uh, being like being a, being a beginner again in a way um you know if, if it's just going into a new area and, and having that mindset of a beginner of like right this is new to me i'm will i'm here to learn and uh, yeah it's really yeah, good it's scary but invigorating yeah yeah do you um do you find similarities in the way you do things in the different situations or are they all quite like how different are they that's what i found in certain certain things where like a different art form the process might be actually it's very it's, it's very much the same process just with different elements do you find that is the case or do you find certain things are just like it's a completely different process entirely um i think the communication thing is really crucial like you're just saying like you were saying if you're really open and ready to to learn and open with what you know and what you don't know then that stands you instead no matter if you're in a kind of very formal context or mm. whatever wherever you you're at i think one thing i have found is that i, I it's easy to underestimate what 
some of them tricky for others. And like if I'm writing for um, a classical context and I write certain rhythmic passages and I think that will just be happen in a blink of an eye, then that actually ends up taking a lot more time to get really solid. And likewise, the other way, something that I feel like I don't know. It, it, it's, it's, it's like constantly reminding what works for different people. If you're writing for different people, what, what will work for them? Whilst not trying to kind of second guess it, whilst trying to be comfortable with what your voice, whatever you want to, you want to say in the piece. If yeah. that makes any sense. I think so. I lost you for a bit of it then, but I think. Uh, but it was a bit nonsensical, actually. So I just scrap <laughs> that. <laughs> I think we say in um, that, yeah, being aware of what different people's strengths and weaknesses and yeah. things that might seem easy to you might not be to other people and vice versa. Um, yeah. And work in different contexts, don't be aware of that. Yeah. yeah. That's what I was trying to say. Exactly that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, definitely it's a tricky thing. And it's kind of. It's nice in those ways sometimes because like you remember you know be reminded of what your strengths are so i find anyway i've done those things like for me lyrics has always been the thing that i find easiest i always kind of yeah like i really i'm really wordy but like things like melodies the thing i find hardest and then sometimes i work with someone who's a great it's really just comes out of melodies just brilliantly all the time but really struggles with words yeah um and it's just yeah it's kind of it's nice to be reminded of, of of what your strength is in a way and it's like it's rare you get someone who is a complete package isn't it who can do <laughs> Who's kind of yeah, great at all of them. Yeah. The aim, is, aim is to be good enough at all of them, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then yeah, and then recognizing it when it feels good with someone else, you know, mm. and that that balancing out that you're naturally doing with each other is is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah again, the uh, benefits of collaboration. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Great stuff. Um so we'll move into section two now, shall we? This is where I ask my guests to share with us a, a songwriting tip. So uh, what would your tip be for us, Emily? I was thinking about this. I was thinking, oh gosh, I don't know. Some advice I was given um, a while back, which I've always tried to remember in writing songs, is to have a moment with um, something very unexpected in it. So if you're talking mm. lyrically, to have something that really you wouldn't think fitted in that song or those lines, it kind of sticks, jars a bit, sticks out like a bit of a sort of thumb. Not to have that loads of times necessarily. But just for that to like to not be afraid to have a few odd bits or mm. an odd word or two and then similarly melodically on a vocal line say have a bit where it goes somewhere really unexpected um so i think i've tried to the songs and either do it as i'm writing or maybe insert it at a later time so for instance, redoing that Lost and Found song for this last week, I just added a new low bit at the end, just to, and it really changed how it all felt for me because mm. I knew I had that to aim for and that was new and that was like what I wanted to say with it this week or whatever. Mm. So I think maybe that's a something to keep, you can keep adding to. You can do it as you write the song or you can do it as you get to know the song or return to the song. Do you do that with lyrics as well? Do you add new lyrics as you as you go with a song or do you add is it mainly what musical elements that you have yeah actually i don't really i think i don't usually add new lyrics um maybe occasionally i've done that but not often mm. no so yeah. that's more in the writing phase i guess yeah 
it's something about Dylan still does that, which writes new verses for old songs and just yes. <laughs> throws them in every now and then, which is bonkers, isn't it? Um, but yeah, great thing to, to be able to do if you've got the time, I guess. Yeah, totally. I've um, been doing a few, quite a lot of folk songs recently. It's like recording some myself and then using them in work, writing projects and things like that. And that's a nice thing you can do with them because often there's, mm. you know, and the commonly known version will have four or whatever, but you can easily dip back in and select another odd verse and put it in. It can really change. Obviously, it can actually definitely change the story of the song, but it also can kind of keep it really fresh for performance. You know, yeah. a song that you know really, really well suddenly has this new little new bit of a story or a few new lines in, which is quite fun. Yeah. Yeah, definitely keeps it interesting for yourself uh, performing it. Is um so when you're writing songs, is that something that's kind of in your mind then? Of like, um, do you see like when you're writing, do you uh, kind of see a path of like this is the kind of way this song looks like it's going to go, and then think of something unexpected to throw in? Would that be a way of is that or, or is it kind of is it like a different way you go about doing it? It's yeah, I think it's a really good tip, and it's um it's something like heard the thing with songs where people kind of like you like a certain amount of familiarity but there needs to be something different about it as well isn't that people want a song that's that's kind of isn't isn't completely new and different to them but isn't the same as everything else I've heard either so it's getting that right amount of of like say the kind of unexpected thing yeah and I guess that's really different for everybody like some people who naturally want to put a lot of variation and ornamentation into their lines um that's something they're doing continuously that's kind of part of their character of writing I guess whereas mm. I'm much more kind of here's the melody and this is more or less how it goes so I think for me it feels quite radical to put in a little deviation of like melody or something um mm. but no I don't really I'm quite bad with having a plan before I start songs so I wouldn't say that I'd, I'd uh I think just I mean maybe with verses when you're kind of getting variation naturally because of lyric changes then that becomes an obvious point to to let the line go somewhere new for a particular verse and mm. um, yeah but and then choruses obviously it's like a a natural need for variation as this as the song develops but yeah there are masters of it plenty to learn from aren't there yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> do you um do you often start with your melodies when you're writing or do you start with your lyrics um i start with melodies i think but i have like books of or, or um voice uh, notes or just just like notes on my phone of like endless lyrics so I just kind of dip in and I might have a, a kind of story or an idea for a song and then dip into those mm. records and then yeah get led all by the melody I guess nice. yeah sounds like a good way of working good stuff yeah it's good I've tip. been playing uh, quite a lot with a band recently and that's interesting because um, a folk band called Colour of Light and the, quite a few of us write the song, mainly a guy called Paul Naylor who writes a lot of the songs and he, um, but we've started to do a little bit of writing together, not loads, but that's an interesting process and not really one I've done before. So I, I mean, at the moment, the, the most we've done is like he's written a song and then I've added new elements to it as a kind of, and we start, it becomes more of a duet, but not a, but a duet of writing as well as a performing duet. But that's a process I'd definitely like to explore more as well. I'm not a generally a one for like sitting down in a room and kind of coming up with stuff with other people. 
Mm. I'm fine with that, like improvising musically and stuff, but not like writing a song with somebody else. I haven't done that much. I'm a bit of a hermit when it comes to writing. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's definitely something I'd like to explore more because I think then that's, yeah, there's loads of possibilities that open up. Yeah. And is that going back and forth with different bits of with lyrics and melody? Like he'll write, he'll send you a verse or something like that and you'll add a bit back or yeah. a particular yeah. elements, yeah. But then it's like where the point of the ownership of the story comes, isn't it? And then mm. and sometimes that's fine. You can just keep it theirs, but you can just add to it, like put an extra layer on it or some some decoration. Um, but then it, it, like at some point, if it becomes a joint, like, no, it should go in this way, that becomes a very different process. So. Yeah. yeah, I found it really interesting. Uh, have you? Are you doing? Is that kind of narrative songs and, oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. Time? Well, again, so yeah, so he's quite quite narrative led with his songwriting, and um, yeah, and I not use, explicit. Do you just come up with a story before writing, or do you just start writing and see what story comes out of it? Um, I think he. I don't know. What I think I think you should talk to him. But um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think what. If, if he's got a story and then then the, the words I might add might be um, kind of a bit of a commentary on it or, okay. you know, another angle. That's that's one we've done in a couple of songs. Or I've started with a few ideas and then he's written some verses just on the same idea and then just kind of interwoven them together. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it sounds interesting. I was thinking, like, I did an album a few years ago with a friend of mine um, called Siobhan Donnelly and that was a very narrative album. Um, but with that, we'd set out We'd set out, we had like a big picture story for the whole album. And then so each song we'd kind of come up with the story of that song and write it. But then I was just thinking then like how interesting it would be to do a song where, you know, one person started a narrative, but the other person doesn't know where it's going <laughs> just to see yeah, where, it, where it would go together. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, I'm sure that's been done. Yeah, it sounds good. Mm. And the other thing I've been doing recently is working a lot with speech and in interviews with people. So a bit like this, having a chat with, the project I'm doing at the moment is about like home and belonging so I'll have long chats with people on those themes and then use the audio as part of the ingredients of the music um but then you start to have the possibility of conversations between people who've never met so they're talking on the same subjects but uh. like combining their speech is another another step away from solo songwriting as yeah. well. <laughs> that yeah. sounds really interesting what's that project called it's called Songs of Belonging and it's, yeah, so it's with speech and um, animation, visual, a visual artist is involved, she's doing kind of animation graphics and then a small ensemble of musicians, so a tree, string trio and two, two or three vocalists, so yeah. That sounds great. Yeah, it's been one of those lockdown pushing, you know, millions of rearranging, mm. pushing back, but we'll get there. Nice. Yeah. Is that available online somewhere, can we? It will be, yeah, starting to lose a few previews in the next few months and then um, hopefully a, a yeah, filmed version by the end of the summer to be online. And then the long-term plan will be to develop it into a kind of um, more theatrical live piece as well. Brilliant. If we get to go back to venues and stuff, that's, yeah. that's my aim. <laughs> oh, that sounds great. Well, I'll, put, I'll put the links for your pages and stuff in the description so people following can check you out and then... Uh, I'm sure you'll share about it when it's when it's available that project yeah, as well. Cool. Yeah. Thanks. Good stuff. Cool. So we're moving to section three now, shall we? Um, this is why I ask my guests for a song that's meaningful to them in some way related to bereavement. And we've got we've got two options on the table, aren't we? So I'm not sure which one we're going to talk about. <laughs> um, but it's up to you. Only whichever one we might we'll probably have time to have a quick chat about both of them if you want. But 
Um, this is symptomatic of my inability to make decisions. <laughs> it's hard when there's so many good songs. This is true. This is true. And um, what, um, what I do for this section as well, for anyone listening, if you're not familiar with the song, I'll put the link in the description. So if you want to go and listen to it yourself, you can do and come back when we have a chat about it. So yeah, which song uh, can I talk about first, Emily? Well, I'd like to talk about Beeswing. Talk about Beeswing, yeah. Obviously, uh, well, it's a really well-known um, song. Um, and I first came across it in a mixed tape or a mixed CD given to me by my brother and um, it, uh, the Christy Moore version. So that's how I got to know it and I really liked it. Oh, it's a beautiful song. That's one of my favourite versions as well. The Christy Is Moore it? Version. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, yeah, my brother died uh, 11 years ago. So um, that's a big, yeah. So that um, was very unexpected. And um, we, five years later, um, when I was kind of able to, I started making this programme radio program about music and memory and exchange of how you can kind of chart relationships through music exchange you know like all the song recommendations or you give to your friends or when we were young we just used to make mixtapes for each other all the time and um first gigs and you know excitement of getting this album or that album and or and all that um so um, yeah so I spoke to and he was a massive music fan, totally diverse, like open uh, tastes, you know, no, no area was off limits, but, but quite kind of very knowledgeable in all those areas. And um, so, yeah, I started singing Beeswing because I loved the song and it became, although it's kind of about a married a relationship gone, gone wrong and alcoholism and um stuff like that which wasn't directly relevant to to my experience there were parts of it which just really resonate and the lyrics are so beautiful and so they kind of always felt really true and important when i sang them and um and then i went to um under the stars festival oh, yeah. um, awesome. and saw richard thompson singing it wow. and I don't know whether I knew, I may just have not known that it was his song, not Christy Moore's, but it, he started singing it and it was just this kind of, and I, my, I had my daughter with me, she was a baby um, at that point, so I was kind of, I think I was surprised by him, I wasn't expecting it, you know when you're mm -hmm. primed for hearing something and then when you're not, it's, it kind of affects you in a very direct way. Um, yeah. So it was just this kind of, I was really aware of this circularity of of songs and what they can do. So this version from, but he, my brother had given me of Christy Moore's, led me to singing it. We're holding him in my mind while I was singing it and then hearing it from Richard Thompson who'd actually written it. And I don't know, it was just loads in that for me about kind of passing on of music and love essentially, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's a beautiful story. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just like, I think it's one of the best narrative songs of all time. It's just like, it's the way the story is just so beautifully told in it. And as you say there, like it's, it's quite a specific story, isn't it? It's a very, it's a very yeah. specific story about this relationship. Um, but also it feels so accessible to so many people. Uh, and it's one of them songs that I find like, yeah, I get emotional listening to it or playing it. Um, 
but yeah, and I don't know why sometimes. <laughs> just certain things about it just get me. Uh, yeah, it's just remarkable. So, and I think when I got started singing and got to know it, I didn't know how well known it was, and mm. I started singing more in kind of folk contexts, and like you know, um, kind of round the table folk nights and things, and and people would you know sing it often, but I, certain songs aren't they? Were you oh, were you really sure? Like. I think for me, say, Blue, I would never sing or sing her music because it's just like, don't even try, you know, don't go near that song, you know, it's, it's too, it's off limits. That's so I think probably ground. if I'd known, yeah, and that probably is maybe also one like that, but because I didn't know the kind of weightiness of the, of or how well known it was, I didn't have any of that baggage with it. I just kind of, mm. and because of its resonance with me, I just was like, I'm going to sing it, you know, and didn't judge myself too much on it or or feel too full of trepidation or anything doing it it was just felt like a right to sing it which is quite nice when you feel that these songs I think yeah yeah especially when there's that personal connection um mentioned with it of it can make me brother yeah 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 it's yeah, beautiful um yeah I'll put the link for these in the description anybody who's listening to this isn't familiar with these wing uh, I recommend listening to all the <laughs> versions of it <laughs> but yeah particularly the Richard Thompson original and uh Christy Moore's version there uh, it's just stunning as well yeah. Um, and should we have a quick chat about the uh, the other song you, you chose? Because this is one that I wasn't familiar with, um, but I've really enjoyed listening to recently yeah. since you sent me over. Yeah, so Joy of Living, which is Ewan McCall's song, as so many amazing songs are, you don't know that they're Ewan McCall's songs, and then you're like, <laughs> oh, right, another amazing Ewan McCall yeah. song. But I didn't learn it from his version. I get, I've lost, I've forgotten, and I, forget, I meant to look it up, but I didn't, Who I, the version I learned it from. But I just heard it on an album, quite liked it. And then again, it's related to my brother, although um, I've always like, my, I used to get kind of teased a lot by my friends and people for writing a lot about death because it's like always featured in a lot of my music pre my brother dying. So not all related to him. Um, I think I lost quite a lot of friends in my twenties. So it was probably um, mainly to do with that. And then kind of, a lot of those songs became relevant in new ways, you know, in through my 30s as I was kind of like, re, re, you know, moving, growing onwards from that. But that's a slight segue, a slight off piece moment. But um, yeah, The Joy of Living. I So I went to, not long after he died, I went, he was a clean, keen um, climber and um, walker. So I went with some of his friends to Sky where he liked to go and climb and, um, was doing some um my foot thing bad I didn't break my foot it meant that I couldn't do any more um climbs or big for the rest of the trip so I had a lot of time on my own unexpectedly so um, and I I was pregnant with my daughter at that point so I had this walk around a forest like a 10 mile walk around the forest which I did really slowly at my own pace and I suddenly thought because the song Joy of Living references all the mountains and hills, all the big mountains and hills in the UK. It's a really beautiful song about um, like acceptance of death really and passing your to the future generations to your partner and your children and saying, you know, this your this um, soon you'll fly home, like have your this is time, take my strength and move on and make it your own kind of thing. It's quite, it's quite a few verses, there's quite a lot of lyrics. I was 10 mile walk, walk learning it. I had my uh, like 
iPhone or whatever it was back then and headphones and just like learnt it through this whole walk which was beautiful sunshine and could see some of the biggest peaks of sky as I was walking so it was like this really beautiful experience of learning a song and um yeah so and I put it on my album a cover with uh, Matthew Bourne who's a beautiful pianist that leads based who I've been lucky enough to have as a friend and colleague for some years and um yeah I've actually ended up singing it at quite a few people's funerals which is because people have liked it and I'm happy to contribute if that's something they've liked but um yeah it's an amazing song yeah it's a powerful song that sounds like a beautiful way of learning it of uh, a <laughs> nice walk uh, yeah yeah very fitting I imagine that was quite a quite an experience <laughs> it's like one of those memories that you can just it's just captured yeah 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 it's, it's a very big song as well and it kind of covers a lot of ground and it? it feels like it's a very um yeah very like complete and yeah falls the kind of word i'm thinking of but like not falling it that's quite right you know what i mean it kind of like it encompasses so much and says so much um in it in such a kind of yeah great way totally and i think those songs you just want to get to the point where if you're singing them they just feel like almost yours they feel so mm. natural that you don't have to worry about like what which of the words are next and all that it's just yeah. to feel like pretend you had the skills to write that you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's a beautiful song um yeah so i'll put the link for them in the description again if people aren't familiar with it um then i've listened to it since yeah so it's a really lovely song um how do you find playing at funerals um uh, okay i've done it a few times quite a few yeah. times it's a funny people i know and people i don't know so yeah it's a funny experience but and it i think it just feels like more than anything it's like a privilege to be part of that kind of bearing witness and um yeah it feels really real you know yeah um, so. yeah i was doing some writing the other day just funnily enough about performing at funerals um oh, really and yeah so i was just kind of reflecting on some of the stuff with it and uh yeah it's it's, it's an interesting experience one of the things i was thinking about with it is the kind of different pressure you kind of feel in a way like in terms of like obviously you don't want to make mistakes whenever you play somewhere <laughs> but um at a funeral particularly not wanting to do a disservice to the the song you're performing and the occasion there uh, it just feels so much more yeah like like it's all right making a, making a mistake in a pub somewhere <laughs> when it's full of drunk yeah. people but in a special place like that and as you say a privileged feeling like yeah like to be be a part of such a special moment um so many people really seem to back someone. Yeah. So with songs, songs, Andy, might you perform songs that people have you've helped people to write as well? Yeah, yeah. So we've done so practice like quite a, a lot. Then, a uh, whole other layer of pressure on you to perform it. Yeah. So some of that. Yeah. Some of them have been. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Again, kind of very special experiences. Um, but yeah, very powerful, uh, memorable ones. Yeah, and, a lot of and in a way, like mistakes don't really matter. Obviously, they matter to you as you're doing it, but it's the last place where anyone would mind a mistake. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's kind of you know, making sure you want to do the song justice for the uh, yeah the person there. Yeah, yeah. Interesting, uh, interesting places to perform. Yeah, brilliant. Well, uh, thanks a lot for your time, Emily. It's really nice to talk to you. We've had a few technical glitches, but I think uh, I think we've got the gist of it. I think people will be able to make out everything. Uh, yeah, like really bad Wi-Fi. Our neighbours <laughs> are getting their roof done, so like there's some banging, all the rest. Yeah. 
but yeah it's been uh, it's really nice stuff yeah and yeah, um, i'll put the links to your different projects stuff in is there anything else you've got going on that you want to mention uh, before we finish uh, no, I'll just send you a few links for a couple of things coming up. Yeah. Yeah. But I'll put all the pages in so people can follow you uh, after listening to the episode. Nice. So, yeah. Thanks a lot for your time and uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. I'll be back with another episode soon. Cheers. Bye.